I know some of y'all have been doubting whether or not we're going to finish 1 Corinthians uh, this year. And uh, I'm telling you what, I've been looking through chapter 14 all week, and I'm right there with you. We might, just, we might go another year, you know. Chapter 14 is, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a trip today. I got to tell you, l- let me just start with this. We have to come humbly before the Word of God. We have to understand that there are things that we've built up in our minds through years of maybe tradition or maybe just seeing things done a certain way or seeing uh, parts of Scripture explained a certain way. And we have to be humble enough to come into the presence of the Holy Spirit and His Word and realize that maybe there were some things that we thought we knew or we thought we understood that maybe we had missed. I come out of this movement called the Restoration Movement, the Christian church. Maybe some of you guys are familiar with that. Uh, I grew up in this church. It's called Capital City Christian Church in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. And there's all these different churches that have that kind of same, it's like a middle name and a last name. We're the Christian church. So it might be Capital City Christian Church. It might be uh, First Christian Church in Council Bluffs or Waterloo Christian Church. And so they're... Their own church, they're called non-denominational, but they kind of have this brotherhood of churches, and they're all kind of connected. And in a way, they're not a denomination, but they are a denomination in a sense of they kind of have the same teachings and ideas and and things that they believe. And so I grew up in that, and, and I love the restoration movement because that whole movement was all about just getting back to the Bible, just getting back to the Word of God. And letting the word speak where it speaks and letting it be silent where it's silent. But there's some things, for as good as their hearts were, their intentions were, and what they did to start that movement, there's some things that I've been realizing these past couple years that either they just missed a little bit or they just kind of veered off to the left or to the right, one direction or the other, And I can look at it and I can see why. There was fear. Some of the stuff that we deal with in here, in God's word, there's some fear because if we don't know how to deal with it correctly, it can be abused or it can be misunderstood. And so there are passages and difficult scriptures that some in the Christian church world have avoided or said, well, that was for then but not now. But the more I read and the more I realize that God's word, what happened to the early church in the book of Acts, that wasn't just for them. What happened in the Acts 2 church when the Holy Spirit broke out and the movement of God took off, it wasn't just for that time. And, and so we're going to look at that today uh, in 1 Corinthians 14. But, but I need you to understand, we're coming at this humbly, and we want... God's word to speak where it speaks and we'll be silent where it's silent. Chapter 14, verse 1. And this is a great place to start. Let love be your highest goal. We just talked about love last week. Let love be your highest goal. For revival, for our church, that's our highest goal. Love, okay? Without that, we're a resounding gong. That's what Paul tells us. But you should also desire 
this word desire, seek after, uh, almost be jealous for, to seek like with everything you have. Desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. The one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. The one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. The gift of prophecy, Paul talked about that in chapter 12. The gift of prophecy still exists today in the church. And sometimes we get caught up in that thinking, oh, that's just like futuristic. Like, oh, you're just, you're giving a prophetic word about the future. That's a small percentage of prophecy in the Old Testament. And so prophecy, it's about the building up, the edification of the church. It's about going and spending time in God's word and listening to his voice and then being a mouthpiece for God to the people. And we test all prophecy. We test it against the word of God. So we have to be wise and discerning as a church. And that means it's so important for all of us to be in the word, to test and discern the mouthpiece for God. So when we have somebody up here preaching or giving a word or a testimony, this is a moment of prophecy in the church. And so as the church, we want to be discerning by God's word. Let's be wise in it. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see this blazing fire for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. That's why when I get up here to teach, I take what I'm teaching really serious. I'm not just getting up here and, and winging it and just saying, here we go. I, I, I mean, if you're going to speak, if you're going to be a mouthpiece for God, you better be in the word. And so anyone that we have come up here and preach or share a word, we're going to test and make sure that they are somebody that is in it, that they are swimming in it, that they're spending time with him, that they are diving in and listening to his voice. Because we want to be very careful and cautious to make sure that the words spoken up here for anyone that are acting in the position of mouthpiece for God, that they are in alignment with his word. So that's what we do here. That's the role of prophet. There's another word here. Uh, this idea of edification. Like that, that's what this word is for. The, 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 the prophetic, it should be for the edification, for the building up of the church. Uh, in, in Greek, it's oikotome. And it's the act of building a building. 
The act of building a building. We are a spiritual building. We are a spiritual house of God. Right? We've talked about that. 1 Corinthians 6. We are temples of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And so that edification for building this building, we need to understand that we have to go back to the, to the true architect because he's given us the blueprint for the building right here. He's given us the blueprint for the house of God. So anything that we come up here and we preach or we teach on or in our small groups, we want to make sure it lines up biblically with the blueprint the creator has given us. And so some of you, you've been in small groups already where you're going through this series uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Like, I don't just randomly pick this stuff and say, oh, here, this, you know, this looks good. I've heard, you know, this has five stars. I've read through this. I've worked through this. And I've realized, man, this lines up with the blueprint of God's word that he has for our lives. This is going to help build up the church. This is going to bring edification. This falls in line with his blueprint. Not Alex's blueprint, not Andrew's blueprint, not fill in the blank, who's ever blueprint, God's word, his blueprint for our lives. We have to understand the structure and the architecture of our lives. So now this, this is interesting. For me, as we're, as we're diving into this, because the other thing we're going to dive into today is, is one of the, I, I'll just, I, I'm going to be really honest and transparent with you. We're going to talk about praying in the spirit. We're going to talk about the gift of tongues. And for some of us, if you're like me, if you came from the Christian church background, you're instantly like, weirdos, like I'm out, <laughs> see ya, I'm gone. I mean, that was, that was what I was kind of taught growing up in the church. It was like, you stay away from that, all right, son? That's the devil's language. Like, all right, like, okay, I don't know. Like, I want us to come at this humbly and open and realizing what Paul, what the apostle Paul actually says about the gift of tongues and praying in the Spirit. And so I'm asking you right now, anything I'm saying, understand this. I haven't, I mean, I've been working through this for over a year and a half. I haven't just like casually like ran across some teachings or some scripture and been like, I'm gonna talk about that this week. This is stuff he's been putting on me for over a year and a half and working into me because, man, I gotta tell you, there were barriers and walls built up. Because I've heard about how the Pentecostal movement or the charismatic movement have abused some of these gifts. In fact, I would tell you that's why the Christian church veered way to the left away from the spiritual gifts and away from everything Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians about proper order and use of the spiritual gifts in the church. But because we've done that, it has neutered the church of its power. God wants to bring his power, his presence back into the church. And that means coming to all of scripture and being obedient and submitting to God's word on what it says in every area. So that means we have to come at it with a new understanding. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. We're going to talk about this, but first we have to understand the structure that we're working with. This house, this, this temple that he's given us. Because I, I didn't fully understand this for a long time. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says this. 
For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Soul and spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've been in the church a long time. I've heard some of these verses over and over again. And in my mind, some of you are going to be like, I can't believe he never understood this. Not until this past year did I finally understand there is a difference between your soul and your spirit. I never understood that. I just thought, oh, Paul's just saying the same thing twice. He's just emphasizing, oh, yeah, your soul and your spirit. That's just, it's all one. No, no, no. Here, sometimes I get out props. We're going to do prop, prop day. All right, here we go. Prop day. I hit it back here. I was like, oh, I'll call an audible. I'll decide if I want to use it. I'm using it. All right, here we go. Prop day. We got, we got the physical body right here, okay? You got your soul right here. Right here, sweet cinnamon sticks. That's our spirit. <laughs> sweet cinnamon sticks. It just seemed like a good spirit, you know? First, Thess First Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. These two different words, they're distinct. Spirit is pneuma, wind, spirit, breath. Soul is suke. The soul, the vital breath, the breath of life, the human soul. The soul as the seat of affections and will. Yourself. It's where, it's the root word of psychology. A human person, an individual. This is you right here. All your thoughts, all your feelings, all your emotions. This is you right here. Your spirit is separate and distinct. This is your mind right here. And here's your physical body. You're a little big. You're a little out of shape. It's winter. Don't, it's, it's winter. Don't worry. All right? You need that extra layer. They're separate and distinct. And so our soul, this is where we struggle so often. Right here. All, all this week, my soul has been troubled. I mean, it has been just eaten up and just, I mean, ah. Like sometimes there's just, when there's conflict in your life, it, it's really easy to get caught up in your mind. And you start wondering, how do I deal with this? And you start worrying and you start getting anxious. And, and maybe that was some of you this week with Thanksgiving happening. You're wondering, how am I going to face these people? How am I going to talk with these people? How am I going to spend more than two hours with these people? I can't stand them. There's a war being waged constantly in our soul. As you read through Scripture, I would tell you this. It's our spirit where the Holy Spirit is. Signed and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so when you give your life to Jesus, it's your spirit that is instantly saved. Your soul 
is going through a process called sanctification while we're in this world. It is being saved. It is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12. So the Spirit is working. It's working through our heart. And it's convicting us and it's changing us and it's, he's guiding us. He's speaking to us. There's moments like today where he is speaking something to you through the Spirit to your soul and he just wants you to listen and obey. Like today, when I got up at communion and I, and I talked about you know, this verse in Psalm 95 about, man, get down on your knees and give him thanks and worship. I didn't think that was for me. I didn't think that was. And then I'm standing over here and the Spirit spoke to me and said, you can't say that unless you're gonna do it. I was like, dang it, that's gonna hurt my knees. He was like, shut up and do it. <laughs> like, no, no, he's much, well, sometimes in my mind, you know, I'm like, I don't know. But sometimes I could just hear. Like he was just speaking to my soul. My soul did not want to do that. My soul knew this is gonna look weird. Alex is gonna look strange. I'm up front, I, I'm not, I wanna go hide him back if I have to do this. I don't want to do this, but the Spirit spoke and said, just listen and obey. And so there's some of you, you've had those moments where the Spirit has spoken something to you and you've just, you've ignored it. You've said, no, that's just, that's weird. That's random. That's not really me. You're right. It's not you. It's Him. That is how He speaks to us. He cuts through everything. There are thoughts that are our own. And typically, there are things that you're going to want to do, that you're going to desire to do. The thoughts that come from the Spirit, from the Holy Spirit, a lot of times in the beginning, they're going to be uncomfortable and strange and awkward and weird, and you're going to be like, no, I don't want to ask that gas station attendant if they need me to pray for them. That's going to be weird. That's a real situation. <laughs> I've been there. I'm like, no, no, no. I walked back out to my car, and I sat in my car for 10 minutes, and he kept just saying, go back, go back. I was like, I don't want to do this. My mind, my soul did not want to. But the Holy Spirit kept saying it and saying it. And finally, I was like, I need to be obedient every time I hear his voice. Because if I'm not obedient to his voice, it will squash, it will quench his voice in my life. And I don't want that. I want to hear him more loudly and more clearly every day. Some of you, you know he has spoken. He has cut through bone and marrow spirit and soul, you've heard the Holy Spirit inside you speak something and you said, no, no, no. And maybe it's been a while since you've heard him. I would tell you this, go back to the last thing you remember him convicting you of, putting on your mind into your soul and say, I need to go back and be obedient because I wasn't obedient in that last place he spoke. Go back and listen to what he told you. And all of a sudden it's going to start to unlock his voice in your life. The more you step into obedience to his voice, the more it will unlock the freedom of listening and hearing him more loudly and clearly. And in all things, if you're not sure what he's telling you, you're like, uh, is that him? Is that his voice? Go to the word. When you're not sure, go to the word. And if you don't know how to find the right verse or to find out, man, is this biblical? Uh, here's really easy, you know, pastor hack for you. Type in the word or whatever the situation is and just add Bible verse in Google. It will find you 20, 20 verses, all right? You're like, wow, I can do that? Yeah, anyone, we can all do that. It's amazing. Google's incredible, okay? But as you're doing this, 
line up everything with God's word. Learn to listen to his voice. So, we got the body, we got the soul. The soul is being sanctified by the Holy Spirit inside of us. And as we gain more control through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit's voice, as we gain more control in our soul and learn to discern the voices, we've talked about this, there's some spirits that will speak and they will tell you lies. If they tell you something about, man, uh, if they tell you anything that sounds contrary to Scripture, understand that is a lying spirit, a, de- a deceitful spirit, the spirit of fear. You have to discern among the voices to discern God's truth through the lies. Okay? Because the enemy will try to trip you up. But the more we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit in us, the more we get into alignment in our soul and our minds and we begin to think about the things of Scripture. We begin to think about the things of God. We begin to, to desire the things of God and his kingdom more than we desire the things of this world. And so right now, a lot of us, there might be a lot of moments where you feel like you are controlled by this right here. Like, man, if I, if I feel something, if I'm hungry for something, if I crave something, I'm going for it. And your soul is just kind of along for the ride. And you've just kind of said, Holy Spirit, you kind of stay over here to the side. I, I don't really want you driving the bus right now. We have to reverse that order. He drives. And we let him drive and control the soul. And as we do that, the flesh, the body, begins to line up and fall in submission to the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The righteousness of God, the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus dwells within us, but we kick him out of the driver's seat and make him sit off to the side. No more. Submit to him. Now, Paul's going to tell us a little bit here about what it looks like to submit to his voice. Verse 5, Paul says this, I wish you could all speak in tongues. He wants this for the whole church. But even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. In Corinth, they had gotten things backwards. They had put speaking in tongues as like the top spiritual gift, and they'd almost used it as a way to, uh, to assert their spiritual authority in the church, to say, oh, look at me. And they, they would kind of boast about it and do it out in front of everyone and flaunt it. And, and that's not what Paul is saying here. He is correcting them. And in fact, any one of us in here, if you've had a bad experience with somebody praying in tongues or praying in the spirit, it's probably because you've seen a situation similar to what Paul is talking about here at Corinth. People that abused the power, the gift, and held it over others and looked down upon others. That's not what tongues is for. That's not what praying in the Spirit is for. Prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? Like, if I just got up here and I started praying in the Spirit, you're going to be like, I don't understand that. I don't know what's going on right now, right? Because it's an unknown language. But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. 
That's our goal here in this moment of worship, to bring teaching, to bring revelation, to bring knowledge of God's word, to bring new and fresh understanding. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I'll be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. They were eager. They were seeking. But they were doing it for their own glory, for their own pride. And he's saying, no, 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 seek the gifts that are going to bring edification and strengthening to the entire church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what is being said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Here we go. Back to my cinnamon sticks here. All right. I, there's so many things about this. I had such a hard time understanding and I had some people in my life that I love and I care about, and they had um, started to tell me about this idea of praying in the Spirit. And I have to tell you, I looked at them and I said, nah, that ain't it. Nah, that's... And they said, just, just stop and sit in God's Word and forget everything you've heard through tradition or things that have been passed down from generation to generation. And so right here, we are going to sit in Paul's teachings and his words on what this looks like. So anyone, verse 13, so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what is being said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well, then what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You'll be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. Now, once again, I want, I want to go back to chapter 13 here. Because I, I, I know some of you, you're sitting right where I was about a year and a half ago saying, no, I think all this stuff went out with the apostles. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. We talked about this last week. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. That was what I was told. I, I, I was told it, it, will, it will become useless. We won't need these gifts someday. Verse 9, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. I was told these gifts, praying in the Spirit, all this stuff, that it was useless because God's word had come, and that that was what Paul meant by the perfect. But no, if you read in context all of 1 Corinthians, you know that perfection is not God's word. It's when Jesus comes back again. That is what he is referring to. 
The gifts should still be in use today. In fact, they are in use today. In fact, miracles and healing and praying in the Spirit, all these things that we're reading about. The church in the West, we haven't seen a lot of this, but churches in third world countries, these gifts and this power and this movement from the Holy Spirit, it's been active and prevalent for a while. Somewhere along the way, the church in the West began to buy into tradition more than we actually believed God's word for what it says. Revival is a return to God's word and what he says. That's what revival is all about. There's moments of revival all throughout Scripture where God uses prophets to call the people back to him, back to his word, back to the old ways. Sometimes we think progress is moving away from the old ways. In fact, there's some churches that would say they're, they're progressive. I would tell you they're not progressive, they're demonic. They are, they're demonic because they are moving further and further from God's truth and closer and closer to the lies of the enemy and the lies of this world. No, progress by God's word is a return to the old ways, a return to the Acts 2 church, to the church that he called us to be. That's what revival is all about. So, there's a lot here. 1 Corinthians 14, 13 through 14. Look at this again. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. When we pray with understanding, our soul, that's what we're praying with. We're, we're praying words that we understand. We're, we're, we're praying words that we understand. When we pray in the spirit, it sounds like a, a little child that, that's first learning to talk. I don't know if you've been around any kids recently. We've got some kids back there. You can kind of hear them. You know, it's like, you're like, that's, that's nonsense. You know, that's gibberish. What does Jesus tell us to be like? To be like the little children. When we pray in the Spirit, oh, man, okay, Romans 8. Ah, oh, this is it. This is it. Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many times have you gone to him in prayer and you had no clue what to say? You had no words for what was going on in your life. How many times have you heard a kid cry out and they don't know the words, but they just know they need their mom, they need their father? The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. When you don't know what to pray, when you don't know the words, how many times have you been there and you're just like, I don't have any words for this situation. I have nothing. I don't even know what to pray for. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. That's what we want, right? We just want to be in alignment with God's word. But most of our prayers, typically, as we start to say them, we realize this sounds really selfish or this sounds really wrong or, man, I don't think God really wants me to pray for this, but I'm going to pray for it anyway because I just don't know what else to pray for and my words are falling short and I don't know what to do in this moment. But the Holy Spirit prays for us. He prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. 
with utterances, with groanings that cannot be expressed in words, that cannot be expressed through the mind, through the soul. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Praying in the Spirit is submission to the Holy Spirit, to God's will. It's saying, Lord, I don't know what to pray, but I want to be in alignment and in harmony with you and your word. And some of you are still like, but shouldn't, like one of my big hangups was like, shouldn't it just like, you know, overtake us? Like, if it's real, shouldn't it just start to happen? Like, and we can't even control it? No, no, no. Every situation, it doesn't say, when it talks about people that started to pray in the Spirit, or when it talks in Acts about people praying in tongues, it doesn't say that the people were overtaken by the Holy Spirit and he just started channeling them. Like, that, that's not what happens. It's a choice to utter whatever comes out. It's not your mind, because in your mind, you know, you're thinking and the words are coming out. This is a submission to the Holy Spirit. And some of you are still like, I, I think this sounds crazy. And I, I did too. I did. I thought it was crazy. Because I, in my mind, I thought, oh, no, no, it should just happen. Like, I, I can't even stop it. I can't even control it. No, no, it's a choice by faith to just babble like a child. To pray in the Spirit and trust that he hears and he knows and he's going to realign you with his will when you pray by faith in the Spirit. That's what you're doing. You're praying by faith in the Spirit. I, I, I did not fully understand this. And so I, I, I'm talking to this guy who's explained it to me, and I'm like, still don't get it. You know, it doesn't just, you know, the Holy Spirit hasn't overcome me. He hasn't just taken over and done that. He says, no, no, no. It's a choice to just utter whatever sounds come to your, like, come out, to just put them out verbally. And I'm like, no way. You're weird. <laughs> like, you're so strange. You can't just choose to do that. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, I know I have. He says, you can do it by faith. Just try it. And so, last fall, I'm out mowing my lawn. And I'm like, this is a safe time. Nobody can hear me. Nobody's around. All they can hear is a mower. They're just going to think I'm singing along to some song on my headphones. And I, I'm telling you what, I, I just started, I mean, whatever kind of came out, whatever kind of, I mean, it was just like, you know, just like a child. And I'm just walking along, and I'm just like, hey, you know, I, I, I know, you're like, this is weird. I know it's weird. But I'm telling you, as I was doing that, what happens, like revelation and unity in the Spirit starts to break out when you take a step of faith and pray in the Spirit. Because that was where it first broke free. Uh, we did this Christmas series last year called Curse Breaker. And it was incredible. It was powerful. Like it was Holy Spirit led the whole way through. And there was fresh revelation and knowledge from God's word that came out of that series. That series was born out of praying in the spirit while mowing my lawn, feeling like a crazy person. It was. Like, that was where it just all started to tie together. And it, I, I mean, I'm telling you, like, that was the first moment I was like, 
as I was doing this, all of a sudden, it, it went from babbling or uttering or, you know, nonsense to all of a sudden, he started to unlock things in my soul that I'd been working on and, and that God had been building up inside of me. And he began to tie them all together in unity and said, here is the series. I want you to give my people this Christmas. It was amazing. It's a step of faith. I've told you here at Revival a lot. There's gonna be a lot of things that when we go to in scripture and we actually believe it for what it says, it's gonna look crazy and stupid and foolish to the outside world. But at Revival, we don't care what the world says, we just care what the word says. That's what we stand on. And this is not a have to. This is not a, man, you're not saved if you don't do this. This is just, man, if you want to, if you're interested in this, if you want to know more about this, Paul talks a lot about it. Isaiah 28, 11 through 12, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. I'll tell you what. I walk in a lot of peace in my life. I'm surrounded by chaos, but I walk in a lot of peace and calm that surpasses understanding. And I've noticed over this last year and a half since I began to try this, to experiment with this, that the peace and calm in my life has grown. And it's peace that surpasses understanding. It's not natural to the world around us. It is supernatural to the presence of God living inside of us. And so as you begin to pray in the Spirit and take that faith, it begins to align your soul with the Holy Spirit inside of you. And the more you get in alignment in your soul, the more the flesh will follow. I found more freedom in my life from the sins and the cravings of the flesh in this past year and a half than I ever knew in my previous life. And I've been a believer since I was, whatever, five. Like I grew up in the church. I'd never have experienced this kind of freedom in walking in unity with the Spirit as I have this past year and a half. He brings harmony, like what Paul talks about in Romans. Ephesians 6, 18. Once again, this is Paul. Pray in the Spirit. I, I, I never understood these verses. I just thought those were really spiritual prayers. Like, man, those are, you know, where you're using big words. Pray in the Spirit. When I heard those verses, I thought, oh, man, those guys, they're just using that deep, you know, melodic voice that you hear some old preachers have, and they're like, Father God, you know, it's just like, man, that's a preacher voice right there, you know? I don't know if I got that. I don't know what I got, but it ain't that. And, and I just thought that was praying in the Spirit, praying holy, praying, you know, just like, just beautiful language. No, it's the utterance, it's the mumbling, it's the stammering of a child. That's what Paul is saying. That's what he's talking about there. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Jude 20, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. 
All these biblical writers, they keep talking about it over and over again. But somehow along the way, the church has said, nope, that's for weirdos. Nope, that's dead. That doesn't exist anymore. Let the Holy Spirit break some walls down today. Go home and turn your lawnmower on or your hair dryer or whatever and just start to utter whatever comes out. Just start to verbalize it. And if you're like, if you're still like, I have no clue, if you want to talk about it, I'm going to be over here after service. If you want to talk more about this, I'll talk more about it with you. Because I do believe I've given you my testimony. There's power in it. There's unity in the spirit in this. We begin to align with God's will in a new way when we submit and we lay down our pride and we pray in the spirit and in understanding. Right now, most of us just pray in our own understanding, in our own mind. We're missing out on the power of praying in the spirit also. Paul wants that for the church. How do we receive this gift? Acts 5, 32. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. If you've surrendered your life to him, if you've humbled yourself, you've received the Holy Spirit. If you've said you are Lord and Savior, if you've been obedient in that way and declared that in your life, you have received the Holy Spirit. He is in you. This is another step of submission and surrender and saying, I want to surrender my prayer life to you. I want to pray in the Spirit and trust that you don't understand the words coming out, but He understands what is going on through the Spirit. And when you start to pray in the Spirit, you can start to ask Him. You can start to ask Him in verse 13 for interpretation of tongues. And I didn't realize this at the time, but when I was praying in the Spirit a year and a half ago, he had given me the interpretation. It was that Curse Breaker series, and he unlocked different scriptures in my mind, and he said, you need to talk about this one, you need to talk about this one. That was the interpretation of what I was praying in the Spirit. I didn't realize it at the time. I'm really slow. I'm dense. Finally, a year later, I'm putting it together. Two plus two equals four. That was the interpretation of what I was praying. I didn't understand the words, but he gave me the interpretation. The Spirit spoke it to me, and my soul, I received it. I said, that's from him. Man, he wants to unlock some stuff today. Luke 11, 11 through 13. Some of you are still like, how do I receive this? You fathers, if your children, by the way, worship team, you can come on up. Let's get ready to close this out. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? We got Christmas coming up. If your children ask for a, a Nintendo, do you give them a poisonous snake instead? No, no, we don't do that. If you do, you should be arrested, all right? Or if they ask for an egg, I don't know what kind of kid's asking for an egg for Christmas. <laughs> what a weird kid. All right, that'd probably be Maverick. Maverick would be like, Dad, can I have an egg? All right, sure. If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? No, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. If you want this gift, you can have it today. Just ask the Father. But then you got to take that step of faith and you got to start being okay with 
man, I'm, I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to pray like a child. I'm going to pray like what I've been hearing from these kids. And, and I, it, everything in you, in the soul, is going to want to resist. Everything in this world is going to tell you, nah, you're, you're fine. Like, and you are. You're saved and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are. But if you want more of him, if you want more of his presence, that's what he's offering. I just want more of him. And so I, I, I don't know. When the scripture says something, even if it sounds crazy and stupid, I, I want to try it. Because I want to experience more of him. I want to hear his voice. I want his voice to be so loud in my life, it drowns out everything in this world. And, and I'm telling you, he has turned up the volume in this past year and a half for me. He has. He's helped me to realize I need to turn the volume down on some things in the world that I cared too much about. Things that I thought I needed. Relationships I thought I needed. Devices I thought I needed joys that I thought I needed. And he said, just, just turn some of those down and start to spend more time with me. And man, his voice gets louder when you start to turn everything else down. Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Verse 18. He's not bragging. He's just saying he, he's, he's with them. He loves the gift of tongues. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. In a church meeting, we're going to follow that guideline. Just so you know what Paul is talking about here. But we're not going to forbid praying in the Spirit. We're not going to forbid this gift we're not going to close it out. We're not going to say, man, avoid it, run from it, flee from it. Because it's a gift from a good father. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. But be mature in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the scriptures, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not for unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. That's what we do here. We will prophesy the testimony of Jesus. We will share it. We'll share what he's done. We'll share what he's doing. We'll share what he will do because that will convict people of sin and it will draw them back to the Father. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. Tongues is a part of that, that personal edification, your own 
house, your own temple. There's a way Paul will explain that it can be a part of the service, but for us here, we, we focus on prophecy. We, we focus on the declaration of God's word, and it's true. But for each of us as individuals, if you want to start to learn what it looks like to build up your house, to build up your temple using this gift, the offer's here today. He wants you to have it. He's a good father. He'll give you good gifts. He'll give you more and more of his presence. Just ask him.